This is Space Time Series 25, Episode 138, for broadcast on the 21st of December 2022. Coming up on Space Time, the first ever sound recording of Dust Devils on Mars, what the first galaxies were and weren't like, and Chinese Tychonauts return home following a successful Shenzhou 14 mission. All that and more coming up on Space Time. Welcome to Space Time with Stuart Gary. Astronomers have heard the first ever audio recording of dust devils twisting their way across the surface of the red planet Mars. It's the first time one of these extraterrestrial whirlwinds has been heard on another world. When the Mars Perseverance rover landed on the Red Planet back in February last year, it was equipped with the first working microphone ever to visit the Red Planet's surface. NASA's Mars Polar Lander mission back in 1999 also included a microphone, but that spacecraft crashed on arrival after mission managers and builders got their imperial and metric measuring systems mixed up. So the sounds coming from Perseverance's microphone represent the first audio we're hearing from the surface of another world. The study's lead author, Perseverance Supercam Principal Investigator Roger Weens from Purdue University, says scientists can sometimes learn more simply by listening to the sounds they hear compared to what they can from other tools. You see, the microphone takes readings at regular intervals, and it lets scientists sample nearly 100,000 times a second. And that helps them get a stronger sense, a stronger feeling, one might say, for what Mars is really like. The microphone isn't on continuously. It records for about three minutes every couple of days. Wien says just like Earth, there's different weather in different areas of Mars, and using all of Perseverance's instruments and tools, especially the microphone, helps to get a concrete sense of what it really would be like to be on Mars. Getting the whirlwind recording was lucky, though not necessarily unexpected. In Jezero Crater, where Perseverance landed in February 2021, mission managers had observed evidence of nearly 100 dust devils, tiny tornadoes of dust and grit. But this was the first time the microphone was on when one of these dust devils passed over the rover. The sound recording of the dust devil, taken together with air pressure readings and time-lapse photography, helped scientists understand the Martian atmosphere and weather. Wynn says he could literally watch the pressure drop, listen to the wind, and then have a slight bit of silence. That's when the eye of the tiny storm passed over the rover, then hear the wind again and watch the pressure rise. And it all happened in just a few seconds. That's because the wind was moving fast, about 40 kilometers per hour, which is roughly the same speed dust devils on Earth travel at. Of course, the difference is air pressure on Mars is so much lower than on Earth. So the winds, while just as fast, push with only about 1% the pressure at the same speed of winds back on Earth. The data recorded by the CARSI six-wheel Perseverance rover and reported in the journal Nature Communications shows that it's not a powerful wind, but clearly enough to loft particles of grit and dust high into the air, forming a dust devil. The information confirms that future astronauts won't have to worry about gale-force-sized winds blowing down antennas or habitats, so future Mark Watneys won't be left behind. 
The breezes were known to blow grit off the solar panels on some of the rovers, especially Opportunity and Spirit, which may have helped them last much longer. Rover teams would see a slow decline in power over a number of days to weeks, then a sudden jump. That was when the winds cleaned off the solar panels. Of course, eventually, dust on the solar panels got so bad, wind wasn't enough, bringing the Spirit and Opportunity missions to a close. This is space time. Still to come, a new study looking at what the first galaxies in the universe were like, and Chinese Taikonauts return home following a successful Shenzhou 14 mission. All that and more still to come on Space Time. Okay, let's take a break from our show for a word from our sponsor, NordVPN. Are you tired of the same old internet experience? Are there certain messaging services or TV shows that are blocked in your region? Well, don't worry, we've got the solution. It's NordVPN. It's a virtual private network. That means you can access the globe's internet, opening up a world of possibilities and letting you explore content from around the planet. With better access to the global internet, no geo-blocking, it's like living without borders on the web. You can enjoy messaging services that were once blocked due to regional restrictions. And you can watch TV shows only available in other countries. And it's all possible by simply changing your IP address with one simple click. And it's so easy, even beginners will feel like pros when they start surfing beyond their own country's boundaries online. With access to more information than ever before, who knows what new discoveries await? From streaming foreign films on demand to accessing news stories not widely reported back home, there's no limit when it comes to exploring different parts of cyberspace with an international IP address at hand. So don't miss out any longer. Take advantage of these amazing opportunities today and unlock hundreds upon thousands more websites while safely browsing online using an encrypted connection worldwide through NordVPN. And right now, we've got some great deals available for you as a space-time listener. Just head over to nordvpn.com stuartgarry to check out all the deals. There's up to a 69% discount. There's four months free on all plans. There's the NordPass Password Manager, fast VPN access to servers across the planet, and of course there's a 30-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. To see the full list of plans and benefits, just simply go to nordvpn.com slash stuartgarry. And remember, NordVPN makes a great last-minute Christmas gift. As usual, we'll include the URL details in the show notes and on our website. So take control of your digital life now by signing up for access today and happy surfing everyone with NordVPN. And now it's back to our show. You're listening to Space Time with Stuart Gary. Astronomers have been able to make some key determinations about the universe's very first galaxies, an epoch known as the Cosmic Dawn. Using data from India's Saras 3 radio telescope, researchers were able to look at the very early universe, just 200 million years after the Big Bang. And in the process, they were able to place limits on the mass and energy output of the first stars and galaxies. Counterintuitively, the authors were able to place these limits on the earliest galaxies by not finding the signal they had been looking for, known as the 21-centimetre hydrogen line. 
This non-detection allowed the researchers to make other determinations about the cosmic dawn, placing constraints on the first galaxies, enabling them to rule out scenarios including galaxies which were inefficient heaters of cosmic gas and efficient producers of radio emissions. The results reported in the journal Nature Astronomy represent an important transition in understanding how our universe transitioned from mostly empty to one full of stars. Understanding the early universe, when the first stars and galaxies formed, is one of the major goals of all new observatories. The Square Kilometre Array project, now being built across outback Western Australia and Southern Africa, will likely be able to make images of this early universe. But for current telescopes, the challenge is to detect the cosmological signal of the first stars, re-radiated by thick hydrogen clouds. The signal is known as the 21-centimetre line. It's a radio signal produced by hydrogen atoms in the early universe. Unlike the James Webb Space Telescope, which is able to directly image individual galaxies in the early universe, studies of the 21-centimetre line made with radio telescopes can tell astronomers about entire populations of even earlier galaxies. To detect the 21-centimetre line, astronomers look for radio signals produced by hydrogen atoms in the early universe, affected by ultraviolet light from the very first stars. In 2018, another research group operating the EDGES experiment published a series of results which hinted at a possible detection of this earliest light. The reported signal was unusually strong compared to what was expected in the simplest astrophysical picture of the early universe. Recently, the SARIS-3 data disputed this detection and the EDGES result is still awaiting confirmation from independent observations. In a reanalysis of the SARIS-3 data, the authors tested a variety of astrophysical scenarios which could potentially explain the EDGES result, but they couldn't find a corresponding signal. Instead, they were able to place some limits on properties of the first stars and galaxies. The results of the SARIS-3 analysis is the first time that radio observations of the average 21-centimetre line have been able to provide an insight into the properties of the very first galaxies to form. The authors were using the data from the SARIS-3 experiment to look for signals from cosmic dawn when the first galaxies formed. The study's lead author, Harry Bevins from Cambridge University, says his team were looking for a signal with a specific amplitude, but by not finding that signal, they could place limits on its depth. And that in turn begins to inform astronomers about how bright the first galaxies were. The analysis shows that the hydrogen signal can inform scientists about the population of first stars and galaxies by placing limits on some of the key properties of these first sources of light, including the masses of the earliest galaxies and the efficiency with which these galaxies formed stars. The study is the first of its kind in many respects. It excludes scenarios in which the earliest galaxies were both more than a thousand times as bright as present-day galaxies in their radio band emissions, but were still poor heaters of hydrogen gas. And the data also reveals something which had been hinted about before, namely that the first stars and galaxies could have made a measurable contribution to the background radiation that appeared as a result of the Big Bang and which has been travelling towards us ever since by establishing a limit to that contribution. This is space-time. Still to come, Taikonauts aboard the Shenzhou 14 capsule have returned safely to Earth, and later in the science report, a successful test for a new American prototype hypersonic missile. All that and more coming up on Space Time.
Taikonauts aboard the Shenzhou 14 spacecraft have returned safely to Earth following their six-month stay aboard China's new space station. Their charred and blackened capsule touched down under parachutes on the Dongfeng landing site in northern China's Inner Mongolia 71 minutes after undocking from the orbital and service modules. It's the first time a Chinese manned spacecraft has landed on the Dongfeng site under winter night conditions. The Shenzhou-14 and its three-person crew had launched towards the Tiangong or Heavenly Palace space station back on June the 5th. While on station, the crew oversaw five rendezvous and dockings performed by the spacecraft. They undertook three extravehicular activities or spacewalks to attach new equipment and antennas to their orbiting outpost. They gave a live science lecture, conducted several experiments and installed new equipment sent up to the space station. They also saw the world's fastest automated rendezvous and docking of a supply ship. That was the Tianju-5, which docked to the space station in just under two hours. And the trio also conducted China's first in-orbit crew rotation, handing over to the new incoming Shenzhou-15 Taikonauts. The Taikonauts from Shenzhou-15 are now tasked with the job of wrapping up the first stage of space station construction, integrating the remaining components of the station which are yet to be attached, and kicking off the first stage of space station operations. This is Space Time. And time now to take another brief look at some of the other stories making news in science this week with the Science Report. The World Meteorological Organization says much of the planet recorded drier than normal conditions last year, despite there being a La Nina event. The report is the first in a series assessing the impact of climate and societal change on global water resources. It uses data from both modelling and remote sensing to estimate the volume of water flowing through the world's rivers. The study found large areas of North and South America as well as Africa face drought or lower-than-average river flows, along with parts of Russia, Western Siberia and Central Asia. The United States Air Force has successfully tested its first prototype hypersonic missile, the AGM-183A Air-Launched Rapid Response Weapon, or ARROW. The ARROW is the first American hypersonic missile to reach operational status. It's been undergoing flight testing since April last year, but it suffered a series of booster failures which have been delaying the program. Though they're not releasing official figures, it's thought the new missile is capable of atmospheric flight at Mach 20. That's 24,000 kilometres an hour. The US Air Force says the missile is designed to hit high-value targets such as radar installations, missile launches, airfields and enemy operation centres. The United States has banned electronic technology from China's Huawei and ZTE, claiming they pose a serious security risk. The move is the latest in a series of actions designed to limit China's access to American communications networks on the grounds of national security. Previously, some Chinese electronics have been found containing mysterious additional components built into their circuitry. As a result, a growing number of nations, including the United States, Great Britain and Australia, have restricted the access of Chinese telecommunications companies and their technologies to key infrastructure and systems. 
The head of America's Federal Communications Commission, Jessica Rosenworcel, says the FCC is committed to practicing national security by ensuring that untrustworthy communications equipment, which poses a threat, is not authorized for use within U.S. borders. Previously, Washington had banned Huawei from supplying U.S. government systems and strongly discouraged the use of its equipment in the private sector, with fears that Huawei equipment could be compromised by Chinese intelligence. And in 2019, it put Huawei on a trade blacklist that banned U.S. suppliers from doing business with it, cutting off the Chinese firm and its top smartphone brand from Google's Android mobile operating system. Apple's just released its latest software updates for its iPhones and tablets. But at the same time, if you're waiting for a new iPhone, well, the bad news is those delays are getting longer. With the details, we're joined by technology editor Alex Saharov-Royt from ITY.com. Yeah, well, as we're recording, you've got the new iOS 16.2 available for the iPhone and iPadOS 16.2, tvOS 16.2, and also you've got the new Mac OS 13.1. And one of the big things that is coming with these new versions, besides the fact you can now turn your Apple Music subscription into a karaoke machine and you can turn the singing tracks down and you can have a lot of fun having your own karaoke machine, but you've also got the ability to encrypt your iCloud backup. Things like messages were always encrypted, but uh, A lot of the rest of iCloud wasn't encrypted. So if the various governments around the world asked Apple to give access to various parts of your iCloud backup, they were forced to do so because the backup you know, they had the keys to be able to decrypt whatever was there. It wasn't fully encrypted. So now you can fully encrypt, at least in the US and other parts of the world in 2023, your entire or most of your iCloud backup. Certain things like mail can't be encrypted because if they're encrypted, you won't be able to talk to other unencrypted mail services. But uh, one of the big things that came out today was Freeform. Now, this is a, a new app designed for creative collaboration, a whiteboard, as it were. And look, there are a number of alternatives that have already been out there. Fig Jam, Freehand, Microsoft had a whiteboard, and there's Marvel, Miro, Mural. There's a, there's a few of them out there, but this is an Apple-only whiteboard that works on iPads, iPhones, and Mac OS. And it's called Freeform. They say it's a powerful new app designed for creative brainstorming and collaboration. You're going to have up to 100 people all sharing this limitless whiteboard that's in size. You can put in notes, uh, you can you know, sticky notes, you can attach documents, you can draw different shapes, you can use a pen to draw anything you want, you can type. And if you just type in Freeform into Google or your favorite search engine, you'll find lots of articles about it. You'll see what it looks like. And it looks pretty cool. It's a new way of being able to share. I mean, normally collaboration means you all open a Word document and you can see where everyone's little cursor is and all typing away. But imagine if you had a, a workspace that wasn't an A4 or a letter-sized sheet of paper, but is as big as you want it to be. And Different people can be working in different areas of that board. So, you know, this is going to change the way people work on storyboards or people work on all sorts of different projects and, uh, you know, on Apple devices. I mean, yes, it's been available before on other platforms, but this is Apple's take on the whole thing and it looks pretty impressive. And, you know, this joins the Apple News that you can now also use the um, satellite uh, service in the UK and France and Germany and I think a couple of other places in Europe. I did use that myself in the US. I tested it out. I mean, this it, is the emergency in a, in a, service. Yes, the emergency satellite dialing service. If you try to do that in Australia, it says, oh, sorry, there's no ability to, uh, you know, the satellites are not available as yet yeah, uh, over here. But, um, <laughs> well, the thing is it costs Apple $450 million to uh, get Global Star 
to upgrade all of its equipment and you know, services and put new satellites up in space. And, you know, it's, it's the northern part of the world that switched on first. And the rest of the world will come through. And we do have plenty of places in Australia where you don't get signal. And it would be very handy if there was an accident or something that required emergency assistance to be able to, you know, talk to people, especially when there may not be another car driving through that area for hours or days. So a lot of very interesting Apple news. I mean, we also uh, had in the news as we're recording, that Apple is considering reportedly to bring a third-party app store to Europe. Now, apparently, it's going to be Europe only to start with, which doesn't sound like it makes sense, but that's according to reports. But this would mean that one of the big criticisms about Apple having the wall garden, it will disappear. And presumably, it means we'll have you know third-party app stores uh, around the whole world for uh, iPhones and iPads, just like you, have, uh, you can download apps from anywhere for the uh, Mac OS environment. And Apple does have its gatekeeper sort of internet security software that's built in. And of course, Apple is now also allowing iPhones to download security updates without having to download an entirely new version of iOS. Apple is going to be creating more and more iPhones in India, so it reduces its reliance on China, which of course has been a big problem. I've purchased an iPhone 14 Pro Max. I mean, I've got one on on loan from Apple. I'm talking to you on it right now. And I ordered that in October. I should have probably ordered it earlier than I did. And I've received a message from Telstra, the big telco in Australia, that looks like I'm not going to get it until next year. They keep sending an SMS message saying, oh, yeah, another week's gone by, you know, your, your order's still coming. Finally, today, they said, well, it's 10 to 14 weeks since you ordered it. So <laughs> I ordered in, in uh, sort of the third week of October. That's going to push me out until 2023. And that's because of the shutdowns in Foxconn's factory in China, the iPhone City factory, because of the COVID outbreak. China's now had to effectively abandon that. And I've heard reports that uh, COVID is now infecting a lot of people in China. Apple has been uh, held hostage to some degree by this, and so they probably should have, have their workers started. In China. They were literally locked in. They haven't jumped the fence to escape. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's beyond time for Apple to diversify. Put using all your all eggs sorts in the of, one basket. That's right. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's Alex Saharov-Royt from ity.com. That's the show for now. Space Time is available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Acast, Amazon Music, Bytes.com, SoundCloud, YouTube, your favorite podcast download provider, and from SpacetimeWithStuartGary.com. Space Time's also broadcast through the National Science Foundation on Science Zone Radio and on both iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. And you can help to support our show by visiting the Spacetime store for a range of promotional merchandising goodies. Or by becoming a Spacetime patron, which gives you access to triple episode commercial-free versions of the show, as well as lots of bonus audio content which doesn't go to air, access to our exclusive Facebook group, and other rewards. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.com for full details. And if you want more space time, please check out our blog, where you'll find all the stuff we couldn't fit in the show, as well as heaps of images, news stories, loads of videos, and things on the web I find interesting or amusing. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.tumblr.com. That's all one word, and that's Tumblr without the E. You can also follow us through at Stuart Gary on Twitter, at Spacetime with Stuart Gary on Instagram, 
through our Spacetime YouTube channel. And on Facebook, just go to facebook.com forward slash Spacetime with Stuart Gary. And Spacetime is brought to you in collaboration with Australian Sky and Telescope magazine, your window on the universe. You've been listening to Spacetime with Stuart Gary. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.